Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 12.07 p.m. Central Standard Time. I know, I'm late, I'm late. Hey, dude, it was like freaking 12 degrees out here when I woke up this morning. I've been fighting trying to get a fire to heat this damn house because, you know, it sucks when you don't have natural gas for for heating fuel like I used to have in my old house, which works like a charm. This is why I can't stand electricity, man. It's like nothing is strong enough. So I've been busy trying to get this house warm. Anyway, anyway, it's the 12th of February, 2021. This is episode 366 of Bitcoin and... Nigeria. Yeah, those poor bastards are mega oofing at this point. I mean, mega oofing. And India is about to join their ass and and Uber is oofing. I mean, there's a lot of oof. There's a there there's hyper oofication going on right now in the world. And let's start with Nigeria, who is acknowledging BTC sovereignty and Nigeria becomes a bellwether for hyper bitcoinization. I know that doesn't make sense considering what's going on in uh, in Nigeria, but we'll we'll clear that up with Peter Chawaga from Bitcoin Magazine right now. He says today the Senate of Nigeria, which has similar legislative powers to the U.S. Senate, shared notes from its daily proceedings. Among the presentations of bills and reports was a discussion of a recent reminder from the Central Bank of Nigeria that financial institutions are prohibited from facilitating any accounts transacting with cryptocurrency exchanges. Yeah, they're making the on-ramps and off-ramps illegal, baby. During that discussion, a Nigerian official made a concession that many Bitcoiners champion, but few governmental representatives have ever made it. Senator Sani Muhammad Musa announced that Bitcoin has all but superseded Nigeria's fiat system. Oh my God. In the midst of them making, you know, doing what they can to squash, get a Bitcoin. Here comes one of their own who says, and I quote, cryptocurrency has become a worldwide transaction of which you cannot even identify who owns what. The technology is so strong that I don't see the kind of regulation that we can do. Bitcoin has made our currency almost useless or valueless. Thank you, Senator Sani Musa. Thank you for saying the words. Thank you for being the one to stand up and, and just say, you know what? Here's what I see. And he's, he's, respond, he's actually not responding. This is the Nigerian Senate's uh, Twitter site. That tweet that I just read to you was a quote from Senator Sani Musa, and it follows this particular quote that says, I would indulge this Senate to allow the regulators also to be invited so that they can also tell the committees their own position concerning the operation of cryptocurrency in Nigeria. And this guy, Senator Musa, stood up and said, well, here's what I see, pal. You're, this is making everything worthless. Because it's the people's will, that's why. The remainder, or reminder, came after local groups abiding or aiding those protesting the actions of controversial police unit known as SARS were cut off from institutional financial services and began leveraging Bitcoin as a sovereign alternative. Quote, over the course of the past week, we've had restrictions placed on our bank accounts and many people who have donated to us or received donations from us have also alleged and complained of restrictions placed on their their accounts by certain banks. Dami Adufua, 
an organizer of one such aid group told Bitcoin Magazine in, back in October of 2020, quote, this is what forced us to move to decentralized payment platforms and only accept donations in Bitcoin using BTC Pay Server. Ha 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 We are going to obsolete your ass. Some uh, in Nigeria believe that the recent reminder of cryptocurrency prohibition was motivated by these protests and aid groups switching to alternatives like Bitcoin. Quote, there's a direct line that can be drawn from the end SARS protest, which carried on partly with funding from cryptocurrency, even through CB, even though CBN, the central bank of Nigeria, restricted several accounts <clears throat> to these latest regulations. Joachim Mechaben, a senior analyst at SBM Intelligence in Lagos, told Bloomberg, quote, this latest instruction will end up making the case for cryptocurrency adoption better than any other argument. One promises freedom while the status quo only reinforces restrictions. As Nigerian Bitcoin core contributor Tin Akinbo explained on Twitter, Bitcoin is a peer-to-peer -peer technology that cannot be shut down by third parties like central banks. Such regulations may make it more difficult for people in Nigeria to use Bitcoin, but they cannot stop them altogether. Yeah, yeah, baby. According to Coindance, Bitcoin trading volume on peer-to-peer -peer exchange local Bitcoin has risen noticeably so far this month. Musa's concession that Bitcoin is unregulatable and has left the Nigerian Naira valueless uh, was met with mixed reactions from colleagues. Yeah, I'll bet. Senator Abiodun Christine Alujama similarly acknowledged cryptocurrency sovereignty and emphasized the opportunity to foster development, but appeared to call for regulation all the same. Let's see if we can find her tweet here. Uh, yeah, here, here's her quote from the Nigerian Senate's official Twitter account. It says, quote, what we can do is ensure bad people must not use it. <laughs> Good luck with that. This motion is most important to us. The time has come for us to harmonize all the issues concerning cryptocurrency. Yeah, good luck with that, dude. Uh, ultimately, the Nigerian Senate resolved to mandate its banking committee to deliberate with CBN and report on the opportunities and threats of cryptocurrencies in the next two weeks. <laughs> God, the hyperbole. The absolute hubris that you could solve the, these questions in two weeks should have should have trademark symbol behind two weeks right there, pal. It seems unlikely that Musa's candid realization that the government will lose, indeed has already lost, any battle to reign in Bitcoin will dominate that report. But his acknowledgement coming from the Senate floor in a country that is seeing its citizens leverage Bitcoin to operate outside of financial restrictions is still a remarkable one. So the battle rages right in the heart of Africa, man. And we're going to come back to Africa again, but don't forget, okay? Don't don't ever forget that I talk all the time about the places on the face of the planet that I am looking most squarely at when it comes to Bitcoin adoption, and it is not the West. It is not China. It is not Russia. Screw all those places. It's Africa, the whole continent, and its entire raft of different countries that are all interwoven from, by the continent that is Africa, all of Latin America, okay, all of it, <clears throat> Central America, South America, you know, like the, the, the oh God, the, oh, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, literally from the Southern tip of fricking Chile and Argentina, all the way up to the Southern border of the United States. I'm looking at that too. I'm looking at Baltics. I'm looking at Eastern Europe. I'm looking at well, that honestly, that's all we really need. Those are the places that have been left behind by modern society. Okay, maybe not Eastern Europe. They're not so bad, but they are left with an extremely bitter taste in their mouth of various forms of socialism, communism, some of which they're still actually having to, to figure out, some of which have been, like those regimes have been overthrown, but still somehow or another, the bullshit is still there. So they're still dealing with that crap. I, I mean, all the way over to Transylvania. That I, the, the, These are the places that I'm looking at. Screw the big countries. Screw the West. Honestly, I live in the West, and I don't even need the West to be adoptive of Bitcoin for Bitcoin to succeed. We're already seeing it unfold in Nigeria, Costa Rica, Colombia. I, you name it, dude. You name it. Um, 
And we are fixing to actually have a a situation where we're going to get even more privacy because the very first activation meeting in that the Bitcoin developers have discussed the paths for Taproot. So they're actually now actively talking about how the hell we get from the fact that the code is in Bitcoin Core, but it's not active yet. Okay, so mainnet cannot actually utilize it. So we need to figure out a way to be able to do that. So this is by Solaris from Bitcoin Magazine written, I don't know, sometime today. Taproot was merged into Bitcoin Core October 2020, leaving only the activation method for this highly anticipated protocol upgrade focused on adding smart contract flexibility and more transactional privacy to Bitcoin. Last week, the Bitcoin development community gathered via internet relay chat. Oh God, dude, they're still using IRC. See, this is what I love about these guys. They're using like like old school plumbing to communicate, pal. Anyway, they gathered together on IRC to discuss the parameters of the taproot activation and two code pull requests of the BIP-8 signaling mechanism. Quote, in an effort to get this closer to the finish line, we are organizing a meeting on IRC on the taproot activation channel on Tuesday, 2nd of February, uh, 1900 UTC Bitcoin development organizer Michael Folkson announced via the Bitcoin dev mailing list, quote, the primary objective will be to finalize the revised BIP-8 activation method, end quote. Ultimately, the meeting provided more insight into how Bitcoin's most significant protocol change since SegWit might move forward. Uh, Bitcoin developer Anthony Towns has compiled the proposals and possible scenarios for the activation of Taproot. In the February 2nd meeting, the ones that seem to have the most support are BIP-8 false, and that's a one-year timeline, and BIP-8 true, also a one-year timeline. However, no vote was taken. There was just a discussion of each alternative activation method, but what does it mean? BIP-8 is the mechanism that allows for upgrading the consensus in the Bitcoin network through a soft fork and specifically a minor activated soft fork or MASF, sort of like UASF, but MASF, with the option to add a user activated soft fork after some time. In the last consensus update, a user-activated soft fork was used in addition to BIP-9's MASF. However, Taproot seems to be non-controversial for miners, so it seems less likely that a UASF would be necessary this time. Coming back to the proposal, the parameters are locked in on timeout and timeout, where locked in on timeout basically means whether or not the activation would be forced and timeout means the window in which it would be activated. Another relevant parameter that didn't get enough discussion was start, sorry, start height. If locked in on timeout is false and the update doesn't have enough support, it gets canceled and a new proposal is defined. Bitcoin developer Luke Dash Jr. described a locked in, wait, locked in timeout equaling false as giving miners an additional power that they were never intended to have. Quote, if you start off with timeout equals T, uh, locked, in, locked in on timeout equals false, there's three possibilities when T is hit. The activation fails, you try again with a new activation. Before then, you tell everyone to switch to their software, which point, at which point you've upgraded the MASF to a UASF, Towns Road on IRC. Quote, there's also the possibility of getting everyone to upgrade the so to software that specifies uh, timeout T equals six months and locked in on timeout equals true. In which case, the people who've upgraded will start rejecting blocks at T minus six months or T hyphen six months, however you want to read that. And if the longest chain activates by that time, both old and new software will have a soft, the soft fork activated in quote. However, Dash Jr. disagrees on locked in on timeout equaling false. Quote, we are happy with locked in on timeout equals false in general, are we? That's what he's saying. Bitcoin developer Maxim Orlovsky asked, uh, rather, yes. Lightning developer Rusty Russell reported, we have a UASF hammer if we need it, but obviously it's better not to use it. Yeah, because we all have a bad taste in our mouth from three years ago, okay? If you don't know what happened three years ago, you gotta go look through the history and, and, and get your feet in there, okay? Uh, so, but anyway, Rusty Russell argued against what he sees as developer in position. Quote, I feel that avoiding the appearance of developer mandate over the protocol is important. And also, 
I like having an escape hatch should problems be found before activation, he wrote. Quote, thus, I prefer to start with lock in equals false and revisit at six months if it hasn't activated. Quote, there's no developer mandate. Makes more sense to do one year being false than one year being true for the same one year period in the case of two subsequent deployments, Dasher or Dash Jr. responded, but Russell did not appear to be swayed. Quote, I disagree, he wrote. Miners get coordination power because we can reliably measure them in a decentralized manner unlike other groups. That implies the ability to not coordinate, yes, but... We have a plan for that too, as BIP-8 makes a UASF much less likely to cause a split. That's as good as we can do. Okay, so there's a, the, the whole point is, is that these developers are really starting to, to flesh this shit out, okay? They've been spending all their time writing the code and making sure it works. At this point, I'm fairly, I seem, I, well, it seems fairly clear that they're happy with the code that they're now thinking about, okay, how do we turn this thing on? And they're having real discussions about it. And this should make us happy. This should make us happy that they're in here in IRC fighting, you know, hitting each other with sticks and throwing rocks and, and bashing each other's ideas and completely disagreeing with each other. We need that to actually occur so that they can do the things that they need to do to be able to figure out a good method to actually do the activation. And, and what's what's nice is that they keep bringing up the UASF uh, activation as a sort of a fallback position if, if everything else fails. Um, I'm not all that, it's not that I'm not happy with the fact that, uh, of a UASF, it's just that it brings back terrible memories of 2017. I mean, some some very terrible memories. I was there. I mean, I wasn't in the developer room, but I watched the whole damn thing unfold on various, you know, media outlets, Twitter, you know, I even saw some stuff on, on Facebook, although obviously not, not much, but still there was a bunch of people that were saying really horrible things. And I don't know, it was just, it was a bad deal. It left a bad taste in my mouth and I guarantee you, I ain't the only one. However, it seems clear that these guys are very serious about getting this shit done and they are doing the things that is necessary to get that done, which basically means an ongoing discussion. And during those discussions, we will find out what the developers think. But again, even if all else fails, there's always a UASF. I'd rather it not go that way. These guys would rather it not go that way. But it's always going to be there. Ever since Shaolin Fry introduced the UASF as a possibility, it became very clear that that ends up being a pressure release valve. If all else fails, you can just go, what do the users say? And what we said in 2017 is we want SegWit and we want one megabyte blocks. Although we can stack more stuff because of SegWit, we can stack more transactions above and beyond what's actually available in a one megabyte block. So it increased the block size anyway, just not the way you thought. Now, Uber, in his maximum oof stage, Uber will not buy Bitcoin, but it may accept it as payment. Well, that wasn't good enough. Their stock price plunged yesterday in a... Oh my God, it was just like a falling off the cliff moment. However, as of today, Uber's made back all of its gains. So apparently somebody decided to buy that dip. Anyway, ride sharing market. Oh, well, I guess I should byline here. Uh, Darius Z is writing this one for btctimes.com. Ride sharing market leader Uber may accept cryptocurrency payments, but does not intend to buy Bitcoin with corporate money because they don't have any to hold in its treasury like electric vehicle manufacturer Tesla has. Uber CEO Dara, whatever his last name is, said during an interview with CNBC on February the 11th that the firm quickly dismissed the idea of following Tesla's example and buy Bitcoin with funds from its corporate reserves, as the BTC Times reported earlier this week. Yeah, 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 we know. $1.5 billion, they bought it. Yeah, we get it. Tesla bought $1.5 When asked about the topic, dude's last name said, quote, it's a conversation that happened that has been quickly dismissed very quickly. We're going to keep our cash safe. You don't have any cash. We're not in the speculation business. The upside in our company is in the business that we've built, not the investments that we invest in. Okay, stopping right there. Not an investment. It's keeping your money from melting. You know your money is going to melt. 
Okay, the only speculative thing here as far as Bitcoin is concerned is how much volatility can you, can you stomach? If you can't stomach much volatility, then Bitcoin is not for you. Like not at this time anyway. Uh, but one thing is for sure, your cash is becoming less and less relevant every single day. Okay, so this isn't an investment to make more cash. This is to put, park your money somewhere that is a little bit more cold than the 15% inflation that we're actually seeing. That's actual inflation, people. If you're still saying it's 2% because the CPI says, I don't want to hear it. The CPI is full of shit. Stop looking at the CPI. And if you continue to look at the CPI, then please go down to the frickin' library and study what the CPI is and how it's changed over the years and compare that with the fact that they change it every single time to reflect 2% inflation. They are structuring the CPI to make sure that it comes in line with what they've always said, 2% inflation. They will take things out and put things in as long as it adds up to 2% inflation. And if you think that that is a fair and decent way to represent what's actually going on in inflation, you are fooling yourself and I'm sorry, but I can't help you. This may be a disappointment to those who hope that Uber with its considerable capital, yeah, what capital, would join the corporations and institution powering the latest Bitcoin bull run. According to data released by Uber in early February, the ride-sharing giant held 5.65 billion in cash and cash equivalents. Okay, we shall see. Alongside 1.18 billion in short-term investments as of December 31st, 2020, still, Dude's last name said that the company does not rule out accepting Bitcoin as a medium of payment for its ride-sharing and food delivery services in the future. Quote, just like we accept all kinds of local currency, we are going to look at cryptocurrency and or Bitcoin in terms of currency to transact. That's just good for business. That's good for our riders and our eaters. That's... That we'll certainly look at. And if there's a benefit there, if there's a need there, we'll do it. We're just not going to do it as part of a promotion. So let's take a little bit closer look at the $5.65 billion in cash, shall we? I got this one from That's Check Nate, uh, at That's Check Nate on Twitter. Now, okay, look, I don't know this guy. I haven't vetted the information, but the information is here. So, Check out what he says. Uber is massively cash flow negative, estimated a negative 4.4 billion in free cash flow in 2020, minus 4.9 billion in 2019. They spend more cash than they bring in. There's no excess dollars to buy Bitcoin, even if their treasury wanted to. It's all about cash flow, as Preston Pish has been saying all along. So there's a, a complete disconnect with what that that's check Nate is saying about their cash reserves versus what Uber says about its cash reserves, which is saying that it's got $5 billion in cash. So who's right? I don't know. I mean, at this point, I don't even trust the SEC filings. Hell, these people are probably just lying as to how much cash they have. Or at least they're like, maybe they're even looking for looking at, or finding loopholes to be able to call something cash that's not really liquid cash. I don't know at this point. I mean, it, everything is up in the air. I trust nothing. I trust no one to tell me the truth. One thing that seems clear is that Uber is entirely overvalued for what it actually owns. The fact that they made a statement that they were not going to take Bitcoin sends off alarm bells for me. Like somebody called them up and said, please, for the love of God, will you please side with us and come out with a public statement the next time you're on CNBC and say the following line, we're not going to buy Bitcoin. Please, for the love of God, help your treasury, help the SEC, help the Commodities and Exchange Commission, help us all out because we're all freaking dying here. So I don't buy it. I don't think Uber's got the cash. And it's what I was saying on, uh, on uh, Tech Bolts uh, this week in Bitcoin last Friday. You got so many zombie companies that are ba basically their, their livelihoods are being subsidized by the U.S. government and bailouts. They don't have any liquid capital to put into Bitcoin. And I believe it will actually be the, the final nail in the coffin of zombie companies that they just 
there's just not going to be any way that they can hold on any longer. And because they never had the cash to be able to buy Bitcoin, they were never able to board the ARK. That's what I'm saying. Now, this guy gets everything about, about boarding the ARK. The mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. Apparently, the Miami Council has supported the mayor's move to offer city workers salaries in Bitcoin. So what was an idea last week has this week become a reality. They, the Miami City Council has voted on it. Let's see what Helen Parts has to say about the details from Cointelegraph. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez has proposed an official resolution that would see Bitcoin become an acceptable payment instrument in various parts of the city's administration. Announcing the news on Twitter, the mayor said that the city commission has supported the resolution and is now taking the next steps. Quote, I want to thank the city of Miami commissioners for supporting my resolution, which directs a city manager after analysis to procure a vendor to be able to offer our employees to get a percentage of their salary in Bitcoin, allows our residents to pay for fees in Bitcoin. I think, oh, that's the end of the quote. I think the mayor should give Jack Mallers a call at this point because that's the vendor for you, pal. The resolution would also put a proposition before the state legislature that, if successful, would see Bitcoin as an acceptable investment for municipal funds. Suarez said, quote, it's wonderful, wonderful to have a very crypto forward city, and I want to thank my commission colleagues for allowing that to happen, end quote. Although the commission approved the resolution on a four to one, it's significantly rewarded, reworded uh, from its original call. According to a February 11th report by Bloomberg, the commission only agreed to study the feasibility of these steps rather than taking action. Okay, so there's the detail as the original proposal reportedly suggested. Some city commissioners reported reportedly cautioned against moving into Bitcoin without a close study of the risk. Well, duh. Quote, maybe you're ahead of your time and maybe you're right, but let's analyze it, Commissioner Manolo Reyes said. Ken Russell, vice chairman of the city commission, reportedly claimed that he is certainly not opposed to the idea of Miami embracing Bitcoin. However, it's still important to ensure we all know what we're getting into, he said. Yes, Thank you for actually being a salient human being. Just, that makes sense. That's a responsible reaction. Not Uber's, we're not going to buy Bitcoin. Uber's reaction should have been the same. We don't know, but we should know what we're getting into. And maybe we're ahead of our time, but we'll analyze it. If they had said that, their stock price would have just gone up and they never would have suffered a dip yesterday. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, this is the way this shit's going to be working from now on. Anyway, Suarez, who is up for re-election this year, has been steadily establishing himself as an advocate of new technologies like crypto. The official previously announced his intention to make Miami have the most progressive of crypto laws and overtake Silicon Valley as the most Bitcoin-friendly place in the United States. I don't know where he got his information, but Silicon Valley is definitely not the most crypto-friendly uh, 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 geolocations. All right, it's just not. I, it, it really isn't. But here's somebody else who is and isn't crypto friendly. Canada, Bank of Canada says Bitcoin is deeply flawed as a payment method, except for illicit transactions. I, this is such a tired argument. They do this all the time, man. But Thomas M is going to tell us more about it from btctimes.com. While a digital loony is potentially on the horizon for Canada Central Bank, uh, Bitcoin very much is not, according to Bank of Canada's Deputy Governor Timothy Lane. In a speech delivered on February the 10th, Lane addressed the concept of a central bank digital currency for the country, the preparation for which has been accelerated by last year's pandemic and its accompanying shift towards digital payments. Although Lane acknowledged these developments, he stressed that the Bank of Canada has not changed its opinion that a CBDC is not immediately necessary in Canada. Although it has been working on the idea of a digital Canadian dollar as a contingency plan, <clears throat> one indicator of whether a CBDC could be beneficial may be a decline in the acceptance of cash. While, while that can already be observed across the country, quote, it's still too early to tell whether these trends will continue beyond the pandemic, but we are watching closely. Well, that's why the pandemic was here, isn't it? I know, I'm tinfoil hatting it, people. It's a pandemic. Anyway, I know. Hate me if you want. Uh, Nassim Taleb already does. I, I told him he was a boot licking turncoat earlier today. So I'm I'm sure I'm going to be I'm sure I'm going to be uh, 
uh, blocked from his account from now on, but fuck it. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, he's saying that he sold all his Bitcoin or he's selling all his Bitcoin because it's a failure. Uh, Taleb, I don't know, man. That guy, that guy's weird at this point, man. He's like, he write, writes all these huge, massive tomes of self-sovereignty and the first pandemic that he experiences out of the gate scares him to being a little wussy. Kill your heroes, people. Kill your heroes. Quote, cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin do not have a plausible claim to become money of the future, he stated, calling them deeply flawed as payments of or methods of payments due to their costly verification methods and highly unsustainable purchasing power. Bullshit. The only use case Lane attributes to Bitcoin is that of, of course, illicit transactions like money laundering, where anonymity trumps all other features. Yeah, God forbid we should have privacy, Lane. Lane described Bitcoin's recent price rally to all to all new uh, time, all-time highs, just shy of $50,000, is speculative mania driven by single tweets from high-profile personalities, possibly referring to Elon Musk, who recently embraced Bitcoin, and whose company Tesla purchased, yes, we know, $1.5 billion of it this week. Stable coins, on the other hand, have higher potential to become widely adopted. Quote, although none is near that point yet, Lane said, quote, at a global level, uh, at a we'll say, further examination at a global level is needed, as well as better insight into whether Canadians would actually want to use stable coins when alternatives such as credit cards and cash are available. Until they get turned off, or watch one of their friends gets turned off from the banking, and and you know they say the wrong thing on social media and, and get completely financially canceled. Because not only is that already here and has been coming for quite some time, it's going to accelerate. Uh, they they canceled uh, Project Veritas off Twitter yesterday, if you didn't see that one. Um, I tweeted out directly to Jack and Twitter, uh, not that that's a brave move or anything, because they're not going to listen to a pleb like me, but I did it and said that this is just the nail in your own coffin. And it's not going, these, these moves are no longer going to have the effect that, that these people think that they're going to have. All it's doing is is making it worse for the companies that are doing this. If you don't want to listen to Project Veritas, that's your decision. The fact that your decision, like let's say you even agreed with uh, Project Veritas being taken off because you didn't want to hear anything that those guys had to say. The fact of the matter is, is that that decision that you can no longer hear what they have, that you can no longer make the decision for yourself to not hear what they have to say has been made for you by somebody else. And one of these days, those same fucking people are going to make a decision for you that you don't agree with. And by that time, it's going to be fucking too late. Get that through your head. The fact of the matter is that speech is speech. You have, you have the choice right now, at least in the United States, or at least partially, it used to be a lot more, to make the decision as to whether or not you're going to listen to some somebody that you think is brave and whatnot, or a complete fucking Yahoo. But when that decision to even not listen to them is taken away from you, and you wouldn't have listened to them in the first place, and you cheer that, you will be the first one that cries foul when somebody when other forces come to power and do the exact same shit because you allowed the precedent to be set because you were a cheerleader for that team. And when the other team starts using that playbook that you don't like, maybe then you'll figure it out. But I don't hold out any hope. I really, I really don't. Because, you know, it just seems almost implausible that you would cheerlead having your decision-making capabilities taken away from you. But it's happening anyway. JP Morgan will get involved with Bitcoin if there's enough demand, says the chief operations officer. Liam Frost, writing for Decrypt.co's, tells us this. Uh, Daniel Pinto, co-president and COO of multi, uh, multinational investment bank JP Morgan, confirmed to CNBC that if Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies do in fact become widespread, the bank will have no choice but to get involved with them. Quote, if and when cryptocurrencies become a broadly used asset class, JP Morgan will have no choice but to become involved. The demand from clients isn't there yet, but I'm sure it will be at one point, Pinto told a, a, uh, CNBC's Hugh Sun. 
The uh, correspondent explained that big banks have been very reluctant so far to get involved with Bitcoin because of it, because it's considered too speculative. However, JP Morgan's own traders have been looking at Bitcoin charts and truly salivating at the volatility and the surge of this lately, which became evident at the recent semi-annual town hall meeting at the bank. Sun also noted that while he has been asking JP Morgan about Bitcoin on a regular basis, he was really surprised this year by the difference in tone. When specifically asked about regulation, Pinto reportedly said that JP Morgan's counterparties are big institutions that are already cleared in terms of know your customer procedures. Additionally, Pinto said that when JPM or J, yeah, JPM finally does decide to get into Bitcoin, it will use crypto exchanges the bank is comfortable with, specifically name dropping, guess who? Coinbase, of course, Coinbase. Not freaking Kraken, Coinbase, the worst, one of the very worst companies that you can do business with, whatever. As Decrypt reported, JPM is actually already exposed to Bitcoin, albeit indirectly, by being one of Tesla's shareholders, which recently, yeah, we know, $1.5 billion. Stop talking about it. Jesus, let's run the numbers. Do, 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 do. Major indices for running the numbers segment is S&P 500 is up, meh, 0.08%. Ooh, it's a dog with fleas. NASDAQ up the same, 0.08%. Dow Jones is down, ooh, 0.11%. The FTSE is up almost a point. The Nikkei is down 0.14. Hang Seng is up a half. The Shanghai index is actually doing pretty good, man. Uh, Let's see, uh, uh, one and a half points to the upside or one and a half percent to the upside. VIX is uh, the volatility index, as you imagine, has fallen by damn near three and a half percentage points. Uh, let's see what futures uh, or commodities are doing today. Wow, oil up, God dang, 2.35%. West Texas Intermediate coming in at almost 60 bucks a barrel. Holy shit. Natural gas swinging to the upside as well. 2.86% for that and is almost at $3 per thousand cubic feet of the smelly stuff. Gold, it's down 0.197%. It's coming in at $1,823. Silver's up over a point at 2737 uh, copper is also up 0.4%. Let's talk about real money. Bitcoin is at $47,830. That looks like it's probably going to be our high, is it? Yeah, that's our high number. And our low number is going to be over at doo -doo -doo, Bitfinex at $47,363. There, there's uh, quite a bit of arbitrage room if you so choose. 314,783 transactions performed in the last 24 hours means that about 13,000 transactions are being sent per hour with just over half a million BTC being sent in that time. And by the way, that's $26.5 billion. Okay, billion with a B. There are 23,000 trans or uh, BTC being sent uh, per hour on average. And the average transaction value is 1.76 BTC. Median transaction value is 0 0.023 BTC or about 1,114 bucks block. Time is high, 10 minutes. 26 seconds, 1.45 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and damn near 200 BTC being taken in fees overall over the last 24 hour period. And a drop of 1% in hash rate brings us, well, good Lord, we're all the way down to 143 exahashes per second. Heaven for a friend, it's a big, it, it's a mining death spiral. Oh my God. Clark Moody has other news. Holy shit, 101,000 transactions. No, sorry, yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. Yep. 101,000 transactions are waiting to board 85 blocks to clear. Holy smokes. Market capitalization has captured 7.5% of gold's market cap. That means it's a Bitcoin is worth about $882 billion. You can buy almost 26 ounces of gold for one Bitcoin. There are 18,626,806.46 BTC in circulation at the moment with an aggregate, well, with a price of 47,350, according to Clark Moody. 
We have 1,072.8 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that is $50.8 million of capacity, which I believe is an all-time high. 8,844 nodes are running the Lightning Network with 37,829 channels that we can see. Tor capacity is holding at 53.1%, and it holds uh, 569.5 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, which is being captured by 3,392 nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Bitcoin supercycle may emerge in 2021 as Fed balance sheet hits new record all-time high, bitches. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. William Suberg starts this one off with Cointelegraph's reporting on this sometime today, I guess. Bitcoin is looking increasingly like it's in a super cycle, not just a bull cycle, statistician Wooly Woo suggests. In a Twitter exchange on February the 12th, the popular analyst joined Dan Held, growth lead at U.S. exchange Kraken, calling the current BTC market a bull run like no other. Held had previously explained his theory about the state of Bitcoin in 2021, that price gains cannot be compared to past bull phases and do not even match the end of 2017 when BTC near $20,000. Instead, this year is looking like a bull run on a wholly different magnitude, a super cycle in the making for Bitcoin. In his own observations, Wu confirmed that data pointed to retail investors returning to Bitcoin in January. Quote, retail has arrived last four weeks. Welcome to the middle phase of the bull market. This one is like no other, he wrote. When Held suggested that the super cycle had arrived with them, he responded that 2021 would provide confirmation. Quote, can answer that with more confidence in uh Q4. Right now, it's only fundamental narrative. Need to see if the capital flow is validated. He continued, quote, the setup has me leaning towards it, end quote. <clears throat> Search interest in Bitcoin spiked in the first portion of 2021, but still has noticeably more ground to cover in order to match the peak of 2017. Well, how many more people do you think don't know about Bitcoin at this point? You've got to stop with the Google search metrics, people. God, it doesn't matter. When Bitcoin or with Bitcoin poised to tackle 50 grand uh, a resistance level next, longer term price indicators continue to point upwards even after the heavy upside of the past few months. As Cointelegraph reported, Bitcoin's so-called thermo cap is one such metric suggesting that gains are only getting started and a top is still pretty far off. In an update this week, Raphael Schultz-Kraft, CTO of on-chain analytics resource Glassnode, estimated that should Thermocap repeat its 2017 performance, BTC USD could hit $110,000 a piece. Quote, last bull market BTC was at minus, or sorry, approximately 8,500 when market cap to Thermocap was at current levels and surged another 135% to the top in just a month. Things can go fast, he tweeted. Macro pointers likewise continue to provide the perfect backdrop for increased interest in Bitcoin across the board. Last week, the United States Federal Reserve added to its balance sheet to the extent that it broke all-time highs once again. Quote, Fed balance sheet has hit a fresh all-time high of $7.44 trillion, that's with a T, last week, equivalent to 34.7% of U.S. GDP. God, Holger Schbatz. Market commentator at German news outlet Die Welt noted, quote, Fed's balance sheet is smaller than ECB's at 70.7% of GDP and much smaller than those of the SMB or BOJ where total assets are greater than 100% of GDP. Everything is on fire, people. And here comes India with a giant bag of gas. India will ban Bitcoin, says senior finance ministry official report. Yay, Tim Copeland, tell us about it from Decrypt.com. When is this? Today. India's draft bill to put a complete ban on cryptocurrency transactions will likely be passed, according to a senior finance ministry official speaking to Bloomberg on the condition of anonymity. The official said that when the bill gets passed, cryptocurrency holders and companies will have a transition period of between three and six months in order to wrap up their activity and, and, and finalize their 
future of being poor. As Decrypt reportedly uh, reported recently, the country's junior finance minister, Arun Thakur, said that there should be more regulation of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in that region. The legislative proposal, the Cryptocurrency and Regulation of Official Digital Currency Bill of 2021 is yet to be formally released, but it appears set to ban all private cryptocurrencies in India, only allowing for a national digital currency to be used if India does create one, something that it is working on. There is one caveat, however, according to a separate Bloomberg report, the bill may provide some exceptions. There will be, or these will be, quote, to promote the underlying technology of cryptocurrency and its uses. But this appears to be referencing blockchain technology as opposed to the cryptocurrencies themselves. India has had a tricky relationship with Bitcoin and crypto companies in the past. In April of 2018, the Indian Central Bank effectively banned banks from working with crypto companies. This made it exceptionally hard for crypto companies to continue to operate in the region with many exchanges shutting down. This was reversed in the middle of last year when the Supreme Court overturned the ban after many local businesses put up a fight. But even though it clarified that no such ban exists, it was merely a circular passed around by the central bank. Banks did rem uh, re banks remained reluctant to deal with crypto companies. At the time, Unocoin co-founder B.V. Harish told Economic Times, bankers have been saying that they need new RBI circulars mentioning that there are no more restrictions for them to provide bank accounts for crypto businesses, end quote. And now those businesses that have tried to rebuild are facing huge uncertainty yet again. And it now seems an end to the road. So have fun staying poor. In fact, I don't think that that's what's going to happen. The smart money is going to move out of out of India. And that's a hard that's that's you got to understand. That's a hard row for any person born and raised in India to hoe because it's like the country itself is is part of the culture. The land itself is part of the culture, okay? It's hard to do. But I guarantee you this kind of shit is going to be what puts the nail in that coffin as far as several people in India that are bright minds, that are tired of being fucking poor, and they're gonna bail. That's all that's gonna happen here, people. And unless you close down the borders and make sure that all your people stay there, and even then there's gonna be leakage, you can't monitor every inch of the border, and you can't monitor every inch of coast, of which India has a lot of, a lot of places to put a boat in the water and GTFO. Because that is going to happen. If you don't believe me, just watch. I guarantee it. Former Bitcoin developer Mike Hearn rage quits. Oh, I'm sorry. Steps down from enterprise blockchain firm R3. Uh, he will become the new C or become CEO of a new firm while remaining a technical advisor to R3. So he's taking a scam on the road, I guess. Uh, this is Coindesk's Ian Allison. Mike Hearn, lead platform engineer at enterprise blockchain builder R3, is stepping down from his role at the company. Hearn will stay on at R3, but only in the capacity as a technical advisor, according to the memo. Hearn has long harbored ambitions to broaden his range and start new projects. Okay. Quote, Mike's plan includes his own projects, as well as becoming technical advisor to R3 Executive Committee. To support the former, he'll become CEO of his new firm, as well as transitioning to his ongoing R3 advisory role, it said. And you're talking about the memo. Hearn, who joined R3 in 2015, was instrumental in the creation of Corda Platform with CTO Richard Brown. Most recently, Hearn oversaw the recently rolled out Conclave system built using Intel's SGX technology. Quote, we all wanted this done right and care tremendously about the ongoing success of Corda, which is a flaming pile, and Conclave. So these past few months, I worked in lockstep with our executive team to ensure a smooth transition to my new advisory role, Hearn told Coindesk via email. As a result, Conclave launched on time to significant interest and anticipation. A new technical leadership team is in place to manage the project on a day-to-day -day basis, but I remain part of the R3 Brain Trust, end quote. Before joining R3, Hearn was one of the leading early developers building Bitcoin's core software, and he is one of the few people who have had email conversations with Bitcoin pseudonymous creator Satoshi Nakamoto. He quit the project in a very public way in early 2016, and I remember that day. Prior to that, he was senior software engineer and tech lead at Google. Hearn did not immediately return requests for comments. So we don't even know what this new company is. 
It's all bullshit. R3 is just, it's dying. It's been dying. And that's probably why Mike Hearn is, is stepping off that boat. He doesn't want to sink with it. Um, Hearn, generally speaking, only looks out for himself. Okay. He doesn't really have that much honor as somebody who purports to have these, these ethical standards and whatnot. He just, you know, don't, 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 don't listen to what he says. Watch what he does. Okay. That goes for me as well, by the way. Yes, I have a bag of, of Doge. And I can't get it off my ledger because Ledger will not, their customer service will not help me resurrect my ledger. Thankfully, all my BTC is off and that's all I really care about. But still, dude, that's some lousy customer service. It's been like four days and they haven't emailed me yet with an actual human. They gave me an automated email, but they didn't, nobody's actually got back in contact with me yet. That's an actual, honest to God, died in the wool human being. Whatever. <laughs> Genesis Global CEO says, the $1.5 billion buy shows Bitcoin has evolved. Michael Morrow is who we're talking about. And Andrew Asmakov is going to tell us more about it from Decrypt.co, saying Genesis Global CEO Michael Morrow explained that Bitcoin's development as an asset class enabled Tesla to make its $1.5 billion purchase last month. Quote, it's the evolution of the asset class and its infrastructure which led Tesla to a decision to invest in Bitcoin, said Moro on Laura Shen's Unconfirmed podcast. Moro admitted, however, that just some eight years ago, Tesla investing $1.5 billion would have sounded like a very unlikely development. Quote, back then, if you were to say that Tesla or any other company like that would be putting Bitcoin under the corporate balance sheet, I don't think I would believe it, said Moro. Quote, you may think about trading firms, asset managers and hedge funds, but corporates certainly weren't among the target audience in quote, owned by digital currency group, of course. Gen Genesis Global started its uh, crypto trading desk, hold on here, uh, its crypto trading desk and lending business in 2013. When Bitcoin was trading just around $80 and Mt. Gox and Bitstamp were the only two available exchanges. Hmm. Today, the New York-based company is among the largest trading platforms in the crypto market. Uh, continuing, according to Genesis Global Trading Q4 2020 report, last year the firm facilitated over $45 billion in transactions, including $20.7 billion in trades, $5.9 billion in derivatives volume, and $19 billion in loan originations, or originations, depending on how you pronounce it. Discussing the question of catalyst creating demand for Bitcoin, Morrow pointed out that making transactions and actually buying crypto is usually the last piece of the puzzle for the corporations. The main thing they all need and are still asking for is education so that they can be comfortable with the entire process. Quote, education is something we've been really busy with, he said, adding that inbound requests from corporations preceded the so-called micro-strategy event. Ooh, it's being called a, a, an event. According to him, there's a new narrative among the corporations with more focus on Bitcoin being a good collateral. A big portion of our current leading lending business is about posting the Bitcoins the company buy as collateral and borrowing the U.S. dollar against them. Oh, nice. The idea that Bitcoin is a good collateral is quite new, added Moro. This matches with the growth of Bitcoin lending companies like BlockFi, Nexo, and Celsius Network, which also saw huge growth last year. So there you go. I mean, it's just... More and more of these people are coming on board. And what, you know, what I like about this article is that Morrow said, what's holding them back is education. We're doing our best, guys. We're, we are. We're doing our best. But if you can't figure out what podcast to listen to, I, I, you honestly don't need to be leading a company. I, it's not that hard to get the education. What is hard is the amount of time on task you have to spend to become fully educated because it's not just about all of us trying to figure out how to tell everybody else how to do this shit. It's how long it takes that person to listen to it over and over and over again to become comfortable. Okay. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink any faster. You might want to think about that one. Jack Dorsey and Jay-Z allocate $23.5 million in Bitcoin to fund development. Whoa, dude, Tim Copeland telling us about it from Decrypt. Twitter CEO and rapper Jay-Z 
uh, or yeah, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and rapper Jay-Z are creating endowments to fund Bitcoin development initially in Africa and India. Well, probably not India anymore, but Dorsey announced that today. We'll have to find out what the parliament does. They are putting 500 Bitcoin into the fund, which is worth $23.5 million at current prices. It will be set up as a blind, irrevocable trust, Dorsey said, that won't take any direction from its founders once it is set up. They are hiring three board members to get the ball rolling. The application process provides one further detail. It states that the mission statement is to, quote, make Bitcoin the Internet's currency, end quote. Dorsey has long been a fan that of the idea that Bitcoin may become the currency of the internet. Speaking with podcaster Joe Rogan on fe- in February of 2019, he said, I believe the internet will have a native currency, and I don't know if it's Bitcoin. I think it will be Bitcoin, given all the tests it has been through and the principles behind it, how it was created and all that. It was something that was born on the internet, was developed on the internet, and tested on the internet, and it is of the internet, end quote. Dorsey has also shown his willingness to back Bitcoin. In October 2020, payment cap- com- payments company Square bought $50 million of Bitcoin at the time, which was 4,709 Bitcoin, as part of its investment strategy. It certainly paid off that Bitcoin cash is now worth $222 million. <laughs> Twitter itself, however, has not invested in Bitcoin so far. And we talked about the whole Ned Siegel shit yesterday, so we don't need to rehash that. But that is going to do it for the morning roundup. And there's no reason not to just go ahead and close this thing up right now. We are 56 minutes in. That's almost an hour. Uh, Honestly, man, you know, things are, are looking weird. I think the story that we read about the super cycle makes a lot of sense because I don't feel the same way that I felt in 2017. Like there's a lot of sideways uh, punctuation marks going on here that were not evident in 2017. And one of the reasons I think is the fact that we're still married to the idea of, oh, Bitcoin is now worth some X amount of fiat in like, in whatever fiat that you're, we, we still look to, it's we're still comparing Bitcoin to fiat. So when you saw price rises in 2017 of 250 bucks, which are the same type of percentage moves that we're seeing nowadays, now it feels different because even I cannot get my head out of fiat currency comparisons. Why? Because I spent decades in fiat. When they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, you can. It's just really, really hard. It's really hard to get your head out of fiat. It's one of the reasons why I think comparing it to land, you know, to the amount of land that you can buy with one Bitcoin actually makes more sense. Although it's it's still a shitty system to think about because there's really good arable land and there's quote unquote really terrible, you know, agricultural land that you really can't even farm on. So it's worth a lot less except what I know about tree crops is that you can make a shit ton of money on stuff, something that somebody thinks is just is non-agricultural land. So even that system fails miserably, honestly. I, and, you know, and it was one of the things that I've been championing because it makes more sense than at least makes more sense than comparing it to fiat because God only knows. I mean, you want to talk about volatility. Holy crap, people. Fiat at this point is just, is just lame. It's just a lame comparison for anything. I don't even want to judge candy bars against fiat anymore because it doesn't make any sense. That's how bad it's getting. Hell, you saw that you saw the Nigerian guy, the Nigerian senators like going, it's made our it's it's made our currency valueless. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. I don't know how and and you know, and, and even right now I'm looking at at, at a chart. And I'm seeing like red candles and I'm like, are you insane? You're selling Bitcoin for fiat? You're actually, and that's what this is. If I were to sell, like, let's say that I traded my Bitcoin for a ranch, like one Bitcoin, and it was worth a ranch with a house and all the livestock and all that shit, it would never, ever, ever be broadcasted to the market not in the way that we're looking at red and green candles on shit like TradingView and my favorite now, which is CryptoWatch, 
you can go get that at crypto w a t dot c h it's really good no they're not a sponsor it's most of it's free uh the the site you can get the desktop version or you can just go to their you know just go to their website at crypto w a t dot c h forward slash charts and start setting up charts yourself it's actually done by Clark Moody and some other and a couple of other people and it's really good but still when i see red candles the only reason or red and green candles the only reason i see it is because somebody is buying or selling for fiat and that's the easiest way for the market to understand what's going on because it's using these common terms but if i trade a bitcoin for a ranch the market's not going to know about that so i can i can trade my bitcoin for something of value and you'll never see a red candle so why am I bitching? Because when I see red candles, I know what's going on is that people are selling their Bitcoin for fiat. That's not where you wanna be, people. Don't sell your Bitcoin for fiat. Save it until, until it can buy you and the future of your family stability and a lovely life. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.